And today, our uh, River Kids director, Amelia, is going to preach our sermon. So please welcome Amelia. Thank you, Charles. Good morning. My name is Amelia, and I'm the children's program director here at the River. Welcome, and I'm so thankful to be here today with all of you. One fall day, seven years ago, I was walking home from school with my then three-year-old daughter. Now, as many city dwellers do, I sometimes walk too fast. I was always in a hurry and always had things to do. But my daughter was a different kind of walker. She walked as if she was wandering in the zoo. So she made many stops. She had a lot of things to notice, to point, to see, and to touch. So I kept saying to her, let's go, girl. Let's walk a little faster. After about a couple of blocks, I became impatient. So I turned around again, and I saw her smelling yet another flower. And these were not the ones that were intentionally planted in a nice big planters. These were the ones that are coming out from the ground. So I highly doubt that it smelled good, but she was inhaling it. She was savoring the moment. And a thought occurred in my head, and it said, Amelia, just stop and smell the roses. You are walking home. We live in a busy world. There always seem to be so many things to take care of. Work, school, children, parents, health, a holiday season to prepare for. This fall season has been particularly full and rather stressful for me. So when Pastor Allison reminded me that I was scheduled to preach on Thanksgiving Sunday, I thought, can I really do this? I haven't been feeling particularly grateful lately. In fact, I've been feeling rather anxious. When we use the word anxiety, we often equate it with something bad, something that we need to rid of or prevent from entering our body or our lives. However, anxiety is a natural and adaptive response to a threat in a situation. Sometimes it is rational, sometimes it is not. Evolutionary speaking, anxiety is argued to be the emotion that is responsible for our species survival. So those who are tuned in to the environment, they were able to make the quick response and protect themselves from for example, lions and bears. However, when it comes to less acute situation, situation that do not need immediate response, our anxiety can be unhelpful, even harmful. We worry about being healthy as we grow older, not about lions appearing across the field. We wonder about our children's schooling, or how to best care for our, to our, for our aging parents. 
we do not spend our time looking for water resources anymore. Rather, we worry if we will make enough money to retire someday. So when we deal with these kinds of challenges, an approach that is driven by anxiety and fear will not do well. And there's some explanation to this. When our senses detect some things that our brain interprets as a potential threat, the amygdala, the region of the brain that processes emotions, receives the information and sends signals to hypothalamus that activates the body to release stress hormones, such as adrenaline and cortisol, which leads to physiological changes, such as increased heart rate, dilated airways, increased blood flow to muscles, etc., etc. And this fight or flight response is crucial for survivor, but it inhibits the prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for cognitive functioning. And if our anxiety becomes chronic, it will negatively affect our cardiovascular, digestive, and immune systems too. When we ruminate about our negative experiences or are frequently in a stressful state, our ability to think, to focus, and solve problems are impaired. Now, the irony is, I don't know about you, but when I have a lot of stress, I tend to double down on thinking. Despite being counterproductive, um, the state of anxiety is actually the worst time to think and make rational decisions. My thoughts just end up being repetitive which stresses me even more and traps me in an unhealthy cycle. And pressures from society, the expectation to be competent, not to be complacent, only exacerbate the situation. So, when I heard advice like, gratitude is the antidote to anxiety, you really should practice thankfulness. I became cynical. I don't have time to smell the roses or write thank you letters right now. And imagine, if you're having a lot of deadlines, headaches, and someone says, at least you have a job. Be thankful for it. Is this really helpful? Or is it annoying? When my situation gets better, then yeah, I would have something to thank for. For now, let me think my way out of this situation. Can some of you relate to this too? Well, there was one story in the Bible that made me revisit my attitude about gratitude. When Paul and Silas were on their mission to spread the good news of Jesus, they were accused of disturbing the city and advocating unlawful customs. They were stripped, severely beaten with rods, and thrown into prison. However, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. 
and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors opened, he withdrew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. What an amazing story. Some would say this was a miraculous event. When we pray or sing together, several things are happening. The act of singing activates the areas of the brain associated with emotions, the amygdala and the hypothalamus. Sounds familiar? Well, this time the effect is rather different. Singing contributes to a sense of emotional release, which then releases dopamine and endorphins, hormones that are associated with pleasure and reward, contributing to positive feelings. This kind of engagement also decreases our cortisol level, the stress hormone. Singing in a group or praying with other people fosters a sense of social connection. It is associated with the release of oxytocin linked to social bonding and trust. Therefore, a church, our church, is much more than just the sermon. It is a place where we nurture a sense of belonging and connectedness, where your beingness and your participation matters a lot. Not just for yourself, but also others even those who seem to be outside of your circle of friends. Now, in Paul and Silas' case, the jailer and his entire household later came to know God. And they were all baptized because of their prayers and singing. Paul and Silas literally sang their way out of bondage and freed and blessed many other people too. Now, I'm not saying that praise or worship can instantly change your situation or bring miracles every time. But it can interrupt the unhealthy cycle, the repetitive, negative, and limiting thoughts because it specifically targets the parts of the brain that reduce our stress. Negative experiences can change the structure and function of our brains. But positive experiences can create new neural pathways that in turn improve our ability for learning and memory. So, when you're feeling good, you think better. You are smarter. But when you overthink, 
makes you feel bad, and you're not so smart. Isn't that fascinating? Our society places a high value on being intellectual. We associate thinking with being smart or intelligent, so we neglect our emotions and feelings. We underappreciate creativity and intuition. We undervalue social connections and being in the present moment. Anxiety is not a cognitive problem. So we cannot think our way out of it. We must feel our way out of it. Praying, singing, dancing, alone, or even better with other people, can lead us to a sense of freedom, satisfaction, and well-being. Gratitude is the perfect antidote to anxiety because it does not concern itself with acquisition. It is more than just thankfulness for receiving benefits or seeing improvements in our situation. This was a very limited understanding. I was sorely mistaken. Gratitude is not what you do once you get what you desire, but it is how we should start the day. Gratitude is a state of being unconditional, feeling good despite conditions, feeling love, feeling at ease, feeling grateful, appreciative, and connected. When it comes to life, Jesus does not advise us to exercise more control over our situation. Jesus talks about letting go of worries, having more trust in God, and allowing life to unfold. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying at a single hour to your life. Peace I live with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Life. It's not meant to be stressful. Life is meant to feel good. It was our judgment about what is good and evil, worthy and unworthy, that has turned a life in paradise into a life filled with painful labor and toil. When God created the Garden of Eden, it was filled with trees that were pleasing to the eye, and good for food. This was the home that God created for us, one that was safe 
good, and stress-free. The serpent lied about the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He said, You will not certainly die, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The serpent basically told us that God was not to be trusted. God just did not want us to be like him, knowing good and evil. In other words, constantly making judgments, wouldn't you say? Or life of anxieties? Sometimes I wonder if God was actually protecting us from something here. What a sneaky little serpent. So when we practice gratitude, we're not actually claim, we are actually claiming God's original narrative. We're believing in a good God, trustworthy and generous, a God who has our best interests always. Gratitude is powerful because of this spiritual significance. It is a response to agape. It is the evidence of someone who has allowed themselves to be fully accepted, cradled in the unconditional love of God. And when gratitude is the basis of everything, basis of how we narrate our life stories, envision our future, and make our choices, we will witness amazing things, miraculous things. Just like what happened to Paul and Silas, to the prisoners, to the jailer and his household. And what became of this story? Let me share. I had an uncle whom I have never met. He died at the age of 19 before I was born. My uncle was born with a birthmark on his back, a mole that grew bigger and bigger into a kind of tumor. My grandparents were poor. They live on an island in Indonesia, far away from access to healthcare. When he was about 18, his older brother, my dad, convinced him to move and live with him and his wife, my mom, in Jakarta, the capital city where he could get proper health care. However, at this time, the tumor had become bigger than the size of a basketball. And he had become very skinny and weak. My mom talked about how they would try to comfort him at night by placing a wet, cold towel on his back. But it only hurt him more. Despite their effort, they realized that it was all too late, and he was dying. When his father came to see him in his last days, crying with guilt, my uncle said, why are you crying? I will be in heaven soon. I will wait for you at the gate of heaven. 
My mom said that despite his condition, she had never heard my uncle complain about anything. My grandfather, who had 11 children, he had all the reasons to be bitter about his condition because he was the only one born with this unfortunate condition. The constant ridicule that he must have experienced growing up with a big lump on his back, the physical pain, the weight that he had to carry all of his life. These were not easy things. My uncle did not receive healing, at least not in this world, but the story of his grateful spirit continued beyond his lifetime. When my grandfather was passing, he said to us, don't be sad for me. I'm going to see my son soon. You see, my uncle's grateful spirit touched the lives of many, including those whom he never met before. So I would say this is quite miraculous. Gratitude is not easy. It's not like a switch. Um, it does not guarantee immediate results or return. It's more like a muscle, one that takes a lot of practice. I am still a trainee myself. But several practices have worked for me and maybe could help you too. So I, had, I have security cameras in my house. And I noticed that I often walk looking down. And maybe this is because I'm usually thinking about my work, things to do, my problems. And when this happened, I become disconnected from my surroundings. So when I go out and I walk, I try to remember to look up. And when I look up, I notice the blue sky someone with a great smile. I also noticed a stubborn bulldog that had to be dragged across the street because he suddenly refused to walk in the middle of busy Broadway. When I look up, my repetitive thought is interrupted and my brain resets. When our senses are triggered by threat-like stimuli, we become stressed. So why don't we intentionally engage our sight with pretty things, pretty nature, and focus our hearing on the sound of the birds, even in a noisy city, or smell that wildflower just a little longer. Feel what these stimuli do to your body to your stress level and your well-being. I believe imagination is a gift from God. And we do this a lot with the children downstairs. With imagination, you can assume that the sun rises just for you. You can have silly conversation with your dog or cat. And you can pretend that your brain is a big wall full of drawers where different worries can be stored away until you are ready to process them.
when you are in the middle of a stressful situation and you cannot do any other thing, just take a deep breath and maybe another one. One of my favorite quotes is by Etty Hallison. Sometimes the most important thing in a whole day is the rest we take between two deep breaths. When gratitude is more than just thankfulness, but an attitude of appreciation, things get a little easier because I don't have to wait for things to improve. That wildflower, we did not plant it, but it brought so much joy to my daughter. If we spend less time on judging what's worthy and not worthy, what should happen and is not happening, instead, we spend more time on caring about how we feel, about ourselves, our lives, our jobs, our church, our people, then life will feel good. Life will be expanding for you. Let us close in prayer. And can I ask you to close your eyes? Let's take a deep breath together. Breathe in, breathe out. Let's take another one. Breathe in and breathe out. Thank you, God, for the rest between those two breaths. Thank you for all the wonders and beauties that are our lives. Thank you for reminding us that abundance is near and love is here. Amen.